Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Well, thank you. We should be well saturated with that scripture this week, which is good. It'll help me center my, my sermon on anger. A few years ago, there was a meme circulating on Facebook, and I often thought that I would use it on the front cover of a worship bulletin when I preached on this scripture, these scriptures today, especially the last one, the one from Matthew. Um, But back then, we were still meeting virtually. Anyway, this meme was a picture of Jesus wielding a whip. And the picture was updated to depict him driving bankers clad in their business suits out of a contemporary building. Maybe it was the New York Stock Exchange, maybe it was a bank, it wasn't entirely clear, but the idea was well communicated that Jesus was protesting, driving out a system of greed that oppressed the poor and made the rich richer. Well, you probably already, if you had seen this meme, you would have known the Bible story, I think, that inspired it. We called the narrative the cleansing of the temple. All four canonical gospels record this event. Here, a clearly angry Jesus expels the merchants and the money changers from the temple. Well, let me review the event for you. Jesus visits the temple in Jerusalem on what we now celebrate as Palm Sunday. And Jerusalem was packed with pilgrims then for the Passover. And the temple courtyard is described as being filled with livestock and merchants and the tables of the money changers who changed the standard Greek and Roman money for Jewish and Tyrian shekels. And the reason that they had to exchange the money was to purchase animals for sacrifice. Um, And it was for this reason. The pagan mottos on the Roman money made it unacceptable for Yahweh's house. Well, you... um, Some of you, at least, perhaps know what it can cost to exchange money when you travel. Travel. Pilgrims were charged exorbitant exchange rates to change money, and sellers exploited those in poverty, overcharging for the poor person's offering of pigeons and doves. And to make matters worse, the hustle and bustle of commerce in the court of the Gentiles made it useless as a place of prayer. Well, then Jesus disrupts all of this, and he overturns tables in the courtyard where the money was changed and the animals were bought for the required sacrifices. And money went everywhere. And here we see Jesus, the same Jesus who had given the Sermon on the Mount as angry, really angry. He is no longer, as one pastor put it, the Fred Rogers or Lilies of the Field Jesus. He made a whip, and he violently ran the money changers from the temple, calling them a gang of thieves. 
Now note that the text doesn't say that Jesus whipped the people. What we do see is Jesus losing it and disrupting the whole operation. Why is he so mad? Well, seeing poor people overcharged to exchange money for one reason. Also, he is getting ready to overturn the whole temple system of animal sacrifice, seeking instead to write the law on people's hearts. He was moving toward a time when the temple would no longer be a place of commerce or a place where robbers were safe. Instead, he wanted it to become a place where God can delight to be praised and where people could actually pray, a place where God would be accessible to everyone, not just the priests or those who could afford the proper sacrifices. And the chief priests wanted none of this. They wanted to maintain the status quo. The priests, the clergy, are especially the objects of Jesus' anger in this narrative. Well, that makes me a little nervous. We, we tend to think of Jesus as being mad at the Wall Street thieves or the do-nothing Congress in Washington or the military-industrial complex that Dwight D. Eisenhower warned us about. Or maybe we think it you know, be internet pornography. But here he is mad at the priests because they, of all people in a just world, were to guard the temple and prevent it from becoming a place of oppression. Our reader today beautifully read another account of Jesus' righteous anger today. And this narrative of Mark is called The Man with the Withered Hand. Jesus goes about healing a man in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He looked at the Pharisees with anger when they remained silent after he asked them the question, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? Jesus was angry at their legalism. He was angry that their legalism caused them to disprove of or disapprove of healing in the synagogue on the Sabbath. But in his anger, he went ahead and he healed, even though he knew the Pharisees were seeking to destroy him. So we're talking about this high emotion of anger today. Most of the bad stuff in the Bible and on the streets of our country happens because of anger. Anger because the black community has observed that their lives do not seem to matter to white people. Anger because we don't like the results of an election. My co-pastor at my Scottsdale church once shared a story with me about one of his former churches in San Diego. He had a bunch of policemen and policewomen in the congregation. And one woman, one policewoman, took him on an eight-hour shift in a tough part of town. What causes you the most fear in your work as a policewoman, he asked her. And she replied, anger. Anger is my greatest fear. Not burglaries, muggings, drug deals, embezzlements, my co-pastor asked. No, she said, the worst 
crimes for her were domestic and had to do with passionate anger. Those crimes were bloody, she asserted. Guns and homes are mostly used on family and friends in fits of anger, she said, and seldom on intruders. So here are today's take-home points. Unbridled anger is always dangerous, but there can be virtue in the vice. Anger is a primary emotion, but when given proper attention, it can be transformed into righteous indignation. And righteous indignation can motivate us to justice-seeking action. An example of this would be the organization World Neighbors, which is a, a very special organization, especially to my co-pastor. He just went on a trip with our church moderator to Africa to see and the work of World Neighbors, which he was um, so heavily and still is heavily involved in. Now, Dr. John Peters and Dr. Roy Burkhart were instrumental in founding this, and they were both angry about people not having enough food. So they transformed their anger into action. And then World Neighbors joined with Feed the Children, which is an or organization formed by transforming anger into righteous in indignation that led then to action. Of course, there's a bad side to anger, and, and that's when we confuse anger with passion. Now, passion isn't always a bad thing, of course. It's just bad when it's not transformed into righteous action or dealt with prayerfully. Passions can grab us and cause us to do rash things, and that's why we should always stop and pray when we feel this angry passion rising up within us. We can also turn to our friends and to counselors as well as to God and express our feelings in safe ways. Now, another bad side to anger is when we stuff it. And there are those who think that Christians are not allowed to be angry and that if we're truly Christians, we're always going to be all smiles. And that's a bunch of nonsense. We can be angry but we must learn to express it appropriately and in a Christian manner. Uh, one unusual example is the screaming that happened at Duke University after two sexual assaults that occurred on campus. Students came in before chapel and on signal began to scream. Commenting on this, uh, theologian and United Methodist pastor and former bishop, Will Willimon, said, sometimes we need to do that, scream, inside the church, not just outside. Another example would be the Christian woman whose husband traded her in for a younger, blonder model that he met at work. Her pastor asked her if she felt angry, and she replied, not really angry, just hurt. Not angry? Sometimes pastors and counselors get angry on behalf of those they counsel. It's okay to feel anger and to admit to it. That's not a moral failing. 
Some people, as another example, feel angry when they are cheated out of their inheritance. It's okay to feel that, of course. What's not okay is to shoot the one who ends up inheriting the money. After all, even the Apostle Paul once instructed a church to be angry, but not to sin. So you can see that anger isn't the sin. The sin is doing something inappropriate or harmful with the unbridled emotion. The psalmist in the Psalms often expresses anger and his desires for revenge in many of our beloved Psalms, but he stops there and he leaves the outcomes up to God. The point is this, anger is bad when acted upon, except in the case of Phyllis Diller. Never go to bed mad, she said, stay up and fight. <laughs> now, where we find virtue in the vice of anger is when it is righteously transformed into holy action, and that happens by the power of God. Anger is a good starting point, but it's not a permanent residence. When the screams and emotion energize something, hopefully we are motivated to go on to do something for the greater good. And sometimes a step in that direction has to start with forgiveness. The same United Methodist former Bishop Will Willimon once met a woman in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and she was hardworking, and she did much good among the poor people there. Her husband had been murdered, gunned down 10 years prior by the IRA. The killers were never found or convicted. How on earth were you ever able to go on, Willimon asked. And she replied, well, that very moment, as I stood there over his horribly bloody body, I started saying the Lord's Prayer. I got as far as, forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. And I said at that point, Lord, you have forgiven so many of my sins, so I guess you expect me to forgive the sins of others. I will try to do that, but you're going to have to help me every day not to be destroyed by anger. And she went on to say, the Lord gave me a wonderful gift. I was able to forgive. I let God be angry with them or punish them or forgive them or whatever the Lord chooses to do with them. I choose to forgive. I'm sure you've all talked about forgiveness in this space before. Let us remember that forgiveness is not something we have to do, but it is the best gift that we can give ourselves. Forgiveness can stop the anger from simmering in us. Our Matthew scripture today points us to what happened on what we now call Palm Sunday. Jesus is angry when God's house was overtaken by consumerism rather than compassion, and marketing instead of mercy. Jesus was ticked off, I get it. But stay with Jesus and his anger. 
Just seven days later, Easter evening, through the locked and barricaded doors, he comes after rejection, after abandonment, crucifixion, humiliation. He comes through the door and he says, peace be to you. In that moment, Jesus displayed how the primary emotion of anger can be transformed into forgiveness and new life. Likewise, may the vice of anger be turned into virtue for us today. And may the energy behind the emotion bring forth good things. May it be so today and always. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.